Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans. What's happening? This is a special episode. It is a clip show. If you don't know what clip shows are, I don't even know if that's the proper name for it, but I'm going to be playing you some of my favorite clips, favorite segments from the past 17 episodes of Foodie Films. Did I have anything planned for this week? I don't know. We'll leave that a mystery. But I like these, and I know Brian and I have talked about it definitely in uh, in person, but maybe on some episodes as well. Those were, the sitcoms even used to do these. So if uh, network sitcoms can do it, I sure as hell can do it. And I actually had a fun time putting these together and listening to, you know, I haven't listened to some of these episodes since they aired, so I was listening through them and just uh, remembering all the good times and the great guests I've had on and the fun films that we've watched and f- famous food segments. And so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody to check out the uh, P.S. I Love Hoffman page on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Brian and I are starting a new show called P.S. I Still Love Hoffman. It's the rewatch. We're going to be watching the films and commenting while watching it. And so then you guys will, you know, cue it up and listen to the episode while watching the movie. So it's practically DVD commentaries. Again, something that Brian and I love and is kind of lost in today's world of streaming movies and Netflix and Amazon. There's not really, can't really watch special features anymore. So it'll be, they're like special, special features. And I, I just love Philip Seymour Hoffman so much. And it was just such a special show to make with Brian and I know he loves his body of work as well so it'll be really fun to revisit that and we want it to be interactive with our uh, our Hoff fans as we dub them for that show and so we every uh, we're going to put out a list of oh, right now there is a list of movies that you can vote on which which of those like five I think we came up with five or six and you can choose which one you want us to cover first and so we'll do that uh, that'll only be once a month but it'll be something really fun really special and so please check out uh, you know on social media if you search PS I love Hoffman but we're dubbing this PS I still love Hoffman since we're rewatching it so, uh, well, coming up, we're going to start the clips, and uh, away we go. 
I think we should go in chronological order. So first off, we have Chef Carly Niehoff. Carly is a very gifted chef, and she does, you know, has her own catering company, and she does private events, and she also does like pop-up stands at festivals. And so this clip is her expressing her favorite scene from the wonderful movie. That movie I wanted to start off strong with, so I picked Julie and Julia, and that's one of her favorite films. And so, of course, and this, you know, every clip, we're not going to have, you know, then the, uh, you know, clip from the movie, but this is Meryl Streep, so you gotta play Meryl Streep. So here we go, here's Carly talking about what it's like being a female chef, and her favorite scene from Julie and Julia. So here she is, she comes in, it reminds me of me, like, I like, I come into work, like, drop, kicking the door down, like, hola, <laughs> come with us, Jose, Miguel, how's the fam, looking good, you know, like, I embrace that, so she came in into this class of all men, being like, bonjour, like, I'm ready to cook, yeah. like, super, <laughs> like, stoked about it, and, um, the whole scene, because they have this scene and they have like a flashback to the scene like later on in the movie about how she's, everybody's like chopping the onions like super fast and she's like like kind of like like sawing it like, you yeah. know, like a, like a piece of melon or bread or whatever. And the, the gentleman was saying, you know, this is how you have to hold your knife. This so way you do it. Yourself, and this is the way yeah. to do it faster, you know. And so she's looking around and like all the men are judging her. There's another scene where she's talking to her husband about being discouraged because the men are judging her of her pace in this class that she said she can do. Yeah, what is she? She's practicing mincing like onions. No, like julienning onions, just like holding it and just like, like, you know, so she's trying to get to that point. But What is a julienne? So julienne is just a long, thin cut onion. Okay. You know, so. We're not dicing brunoise. Okay. We don't need to get all Frenchy with all the terms. <laughs> it's a thinly sliced onion, people. Yeah. All right? <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> um, and I just, and my favorite moment in the movie is that she's in the class. She's slow as hell. When she said she could do it, she's talking to her husband. Like, all these men, just like, they, they just discourage me. Like, I know I could do it. I'm knowing better than this. And he just pushes her, promotes her to the being the best, and she just practices at home with like a hundred pounds of onions in her own personal house space. And she comes in hot like that next week, like like just to like show off and that's how I feel like when I come into work as a female, I need to be better than like the girl Melissa. Melissa, yeah. I need to be better than her, and I need to be better than everybody else that's around me and faster. You know, so Julia Child comes in, and she's like, like, with, like, the onions, and she was so proud, and she, like, at the end of that scene, I remember she, like, like, flared her air, like, her hands in the air, like, woo! Yeah. Yes! I did it! Like, <laughs> Like, see that? All right? See me? I did that. All right? I beat you. You're still cutting your onions. You know, so that scene resembles myself when I yeah. come into work very often, you know, yeah. so I love that. It was great. Well, she's so, she's so good in the film that let's, let's play that scene. Let's hear Meryl Streep. Let's hear Julia Childs championing the men. Yes. Dear Avis, I'm in my third week at Le Cordon Bleu, and I'm in utter bliss. 
Every morning the alarm goes off at 6.30 and I leap out of bed. By 7.30 I'm in class, in my apron, peeling potatoes. Then we cook stock, we bone fish, we dress pigeons, we make pastry with so much butter it almost stops your heart just to look at it. My teacher moves so quickly I'm sometimes lost, but I'm way ahead of the others in the class, all of them men, and all of them very unfriendly until they discovered I was fearless, something I realized about the same time they did. Up next, we have Joey Lewandowski, the godfather, one of the co-creators of the Cage Club Podcast Network, and I had him on to talk this weird movie called Butter. It's a movie that's about a butter carving competition, I think in Iowa? Something like that. We Neither of us particularly liked the movie, but Joey is a fan of Olivia Wilde, even like a, l- a little bit of a crush. Uh, but So here's Joey, and, and, sh- and Olivia Wilde is very entertaining in the movie, so that's why I chose this clip. So here's Joey... Uh, talking about Olivia Wilde and some great roles of hers, and uh, even Miss Wilde saying how this was her favorite role she ever played, at least back in, like, 2011 or something. And then it also came at a time where I was watching House, and, I, and Olivia Wilde was on House, and I had a oh, big I old movie crush on Olivia Wilde. So I think just the fact that the two of them together were in this movie, I was like, oh, let me check this out. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I watched it again this time, and I was like, oh, that's still weird. <laughs> but my roundabout way, the reason I brought it up, why I brought that up now is because of Olivia Wilde, the reason I sort of watched this, I guess, in the first place. And Olivia Wilde, I I don't necessarily agree that she's not a good person. I think she becomes a good person, if only out of spite. Uh, but at the same time, also a thing that I read was that this is her favorite character that she's ever played, which I yeah, kind of see. Like, it's she's sort of an interesting you know, stripper kind of with a heart of gold or at least a vengeful and, you know, heart of gold toward destiny at least. So that's something. Well, do you, do you, do you think, like, I have to think sometimes that the quote of her saying that's her favorite role, do you think in 2011 that was her favorite role? What has she hers? done since then? I mean, she was in Meadowland, which was great and super depressing, but I'm not she's sure what in, she's I know she's going to be in another foodie film movie called Dr- Drinking with Buddies. Oh, Drinking Buddies. Oh, Drinking Buddies is awesome yeah i love that movie i forgot she was in that that movie is great yeah um what? she's in cowboys and aliens john favreau's yeah movie. i'm pretty sure that uh pretty sure that's not gonna beat this one out i'm just no. saying, oh she was in vinyl the the short-lived vinyl yeah yeah oh she's on uh bojack a couple episodes in a really depressing arc she was in the Lazarus oh, Effect, which can't who be. She, I've I've just watched. I never watched BoJack, and I just watched all BoJack. She who plays she? his ex girlfriend, who's like who's living a good life, and he goes and sort of lives on her houseboat for a little bit, like in her driveway. The deer? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. But yeah, Drinking Buddies is awesome. Like, that's my probably my favorite thing she's been in. I forgot that she was in that movie. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, she hasn't done a ton since this movie, but I, I would say I think it's just an interesting character that she is a stripper who is very opaque about what she wants. That she basically wants somebody to not take care of her, but just give her money essentially. And then out of spite, out of like anger toward 
the man that she's trying to use and abuse out of the spite of his wife, who runs, runs her car into their car, uh, decides to like make her life a living hell, essentially. So I think it's, a, I think it's an interesting dynamic, and I can see why she would uh, like that type of thing. For the third episode, I reached out to food Instagrammer Dahlia Gleischer. Her food Instagram, by the way, is NYC Food Insta, so definitely check it out. And, well, as you hear on the clip, I, I reached out to her, I gave her some options, and she went Marie Antoinette. And the big thing is, is Marie Antoinette a foodie film? Sure, there's, de- de- you know, these decadent uh, macarons and all French pastries, but is it a foodie film? So here we are discussing it. Macarons, macarons. Macar- I, yeah. I know macarons. Macarons. <laughs> I'm just gonna say macarons, so yeah. it's not awkward. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like macarons. <laughs> you just say it like yeah. I know your it's incorrect. New York City food insta macarons. Oh. I know yeah, it's, it's incorrect. Got, yeah. I know a macaroon is like a coconutty yeah. thing, chewy thing, but you don't want me to try <laughs> having a French accent right now, so I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> I gave you, I, I you know, I reached out to you. Thank you for yeah. responding. No problem. <laughs> uh, and then we got to the point where I said, like, oh, I'll just give you some, you know, films that are available. And so I gave you, I don't know, like a handful of films. Yeah. And you went Marie Antoinette. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed. I'm going to tell you something. Tell me. I'd never seen it. <gasps> Crazy. Is this a foodie film? Um. It was on, you know, I'm, I'm going to be... Humble right now. I'm always a humble individual. Uh, I love food. I love movies. Mm. I'm like, let me, you know, I had the previous podcast. P.S. I love Hoffman. Shameless name drop on the <laughs> cageclub.me website. Uh, Cage Club Network. Keep going. There we go. Yes, keep going. Thank you. So supportive. Supportive of this. Um, and so after that, I went, oh, like, let me do my co-host. He's doing a solo outing and for high school slumber parties, another name drop. Uh, and I, so I went foodie, food, films, foodie films, like, let me cover it. I'm covering, you know, movies that are very much about food and drink, whether the character works in it or the movie's clearly about it or the location is that. And then I was researching and I saw all these lists and it keeps saying Marie Antoinette and mm-hmm. I see these pictures these colorful pictures of these decadent desserts and I went oh all right like it was something (laughs) I really you know I haven't seen it like let me sure it's on the list and then Mm -hmm. I and then from that list then I gave it to you and you said yes so here we are talking about it (laughs) but is it a foodie film um I feel like not that many people would associate it with food alone you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like it's not the standout star of the movie but definitely when you think of Marie Antoinette you think of like extravagance and like yes. gluttony and let them eat cake exactly we're gonna we'll, we'll talk about that in a exactly, little bit I think it's a yes well I'm a fan of Queen and they reference her in the song Killer Queen uh, which we'll also talk about in a little bit well of course I had to get Brian Rodriguez on and so he came on for coming to America and you know Brian and I were former podcast co-host of P.S. I Love Hoffman, and definitely check out P.S. I Still Love Hoffman. That's going to start coming out in January, and we're kind of, it's going to be really cool. We're uh, re-watching the movies, and it's going to be like a live commentary. You're going to start listening to it. You're going to listen to it while you watch the movie, so like DVD commentary style. But uh, had him on for Coming to America, and we just talk 
just Wakanda, not Wakanda, sorry, Zamunda, and how it is the OG Wakanda, but just this awesome comedy that stands the test of time and just peak Eddie Murphy. So here's us talking, and of course, sexual chocolate! Yeah, I mean, if you want to... Pretty extravagant. Zamunda is the Wakanda, right? Yeah, of the, the OG. The OG Wakanda. Yeah. Zamunda forever. Awesome. <laughs> Zamunda forever. You know what? I'm going to write that right now. We should... You should tag T-shirt? it. No, you should tag it. Oh, somewhere, has, like, yeah. recording write, this yeah. podcast, write Zamunda the forever. Has, new hashtag. Hashtag Zamunda, Zamunda forever. forever. <laughs> Zamunda's awesome. Do I do a, f- a f- number four for Eva? I don't know. What is the hashtag for Wakanda forever? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably the word, because they're classy. Yes. I mean, Zamunda's classy, too. Yeah. No, it's kind of like yeah. a better Swaziland. Um, it's just like beautiful kingdom and i think i don't know if you said it was nominated for an oscar this film or something? yeah costumes and makeup the set design in this film and the costumes are so mm-hmm. on point for a comedy yeah that's just legendary and you also yeah. saw how much did this this made like 280 280 something million, million dollars yeah in the 80s in not, yeah and well eddie murphy was on fire yeah but he also kills it in this film like just multiple this... roles my, oh, I mean, there's so many great movies of these. Between, again, Trading Places, 48 Hours, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Hills Cop. Yeah. The, I mean, the 90s was when... He had hits in the 90s, but these are the ones that stand the test of time. Yeah, we mentioned it uh, before we recorded, but a film like The Nutty Professor yeah. did incredibly well. It was like really talked about, but I tried watching it maybe like a couple of years ago, and it does not... Does not age. Does, this movie aged well. Yeah. Like... This movie stands the test of time, in my mind. Well, it's his, I was watching Eddie Murphy Raw recently, and that now is just like... Uh, it's is like, that the one where, like that's really homophobic? Very homophobic. Like, it's very cringeworthy. Yeah. And so, his stand-up, not so much. And while, yes, like, you'll still laugh, but it's all... But it's... You just, your body tenses up. And... Uh, but this film's surprising. Like, this film, like you said, just holds up incredibly Holds well. up, 100%. I think, like, if it came out today, it would probably have a better Rotten Tomatoes rating even mm-hmm. than then. Like, it's not... It's dated in a sense that, like, yeah, it, it's, you know, Queens isn't as bad as they depict it, but that's maybe the only thing it's dated in. The writing was so strong. Like, there was very a reason strong. for everything. Very strong. Any kind of, like, little... And, you know, when we watch films, we'll nitpick. And any kind of little nitpick was solved by something. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, there was one or two things, but, like... Yeah, the one... Exa- the mop with the, you know, when, the, when Sam, oh, the Samuel fighting, L. Jackson... Yeah. Samuel yeah. L. Jackson cameo in this, but yeah. it wasn't really a cameo at the time. It was just, like, a young actor with a yeah. job, because I think it's one of his first film roles. It was, yeah, and Cooper Gooding Jr. Yeah, Cooper Gooding Jr. Was, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the barber chair. They're not really touching his hair. Those barbers... And this is the, yeah, those, well, those barbers, those characters, and it was the first time that uh, Eddie Murphy plays multiple roles in the movie. How, how, like, what do you think the level of, like, mind-blown of audiences were at the time? Well, I just, I mean, I don't know if you asked this question on your podcast, because as of right now, it's not No, as of, yeah. So I don't know. Recording ahead of time. <laughs> but I always ask my guests, and we did on Hoffman, like, when was the first time you saw this mm-hmm. film? And I think back to the first times I saw this film, and it was always on TV. And I was a kid, so it was like a cleaner version because this movie like says the f word a lot, yeah, know, stuff like that. But yeah, I remember watching this on like WB11. It used to be on TNT a lot, or like the, okay. you know, um, or TBS maybe because that's the comedy one. <laughs> I don't know if it was at the time, but 
I remember as a kid, my mind blown. Like that's not Eddie Murphy. That's a white Jewish yeah, man. Yeah, that's you know? an old white Jewish man. Like that's and I could my, my a very good old white Jewish voice. My parents or my uncle, uh, whoever I was watching it with, would always be like, "No, you know that one of them's Eddie Murphy, one of them's Arsenio Hall." And I was like, "That is so crazy." Mm-hmm. And it it still is today. I can tell because I know. Yeah. But. Joe Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> if you, even now, if we show this movie to somebody right now, they wouldn't be like, oh my God, it's Eddie Murphy. They'd be like, is that Eddie Murphy? Yeah. It, like, because you kind of see the thing. Like, from Arsenio Hall plays the Reverend, Reverend Brown. Yeah. And uh, it's it just one particular scene I'm thinking of. And Eddie Murphy plays the the singer. The singer, yeah. I forgot his name. <laughs> if, you know. To my dignity. T- yeah. <laughs> sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Singer, yeah. yeah. Lead singer, sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael Manzi, a.k.a. Manzi, my college buddy and co-creator of the Cage Club Podcast Network. He's also, and he's my movie buddy. And he's just, when I think sci-fi, he's the go-to sci-fi guy. Uh, you should check out, like, the Cage Club Podcast Network, like, Hub 2, I think they call it, you know, at his house. And it's just all, just I mean, cool sci-fi posters. And the man has a whole walk-in closet filled with DVDs and Blu-rays. It's really impressive. Anywho, we're talking Soylent Green. Soylent Green is people. Uh, classic Chuck Heston film, classic sci-fi, and I ask him what is his like favorite dystopian sci-fi, and this is us talking about it. Could you say what your favorite like dystopian future movie is? Maybe do you have Ooh. one? I know that's tough. I don't know. I People mean, ask me all the time, like time, like you know, what's your favorite? Hmm. I'm like, I gotta give you a top five. I mean, I'm sure I can't think of like a really obscure fucked up one that I've seen at some point that yeah. I just can't pull the reference for but I have to say like this one might have been like the first time I was exposed to like a dystopian future like the idea that the future could be really? horrible... this movie? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Uh pretty much, yeah. Um I was of the bullet hole in the glass in that shot. <laughs> um uh so I saw this for the first time around the same time I first saw Planet of the Apes, oh. which is still probably like my favorite movie um, of all time, the original one. Yeah. And I definitely saw this on like Turner Classic Movies one afternoon during the summer when I was like 13 or 12 or something, so I was like pretty young. And I knew Heston from Planet of the Apes, so I was like, okay, I like, I'll give this a try. And I, you know, it like scared the shit out of me like it blew my mind like I couldn't understand that like this was a possibility Uh, and then ever since then like I'd just been you know thinking about overpopulation this is a very progressive like Mm. themed movie global warming right yeah exactly like one of the first computer games is in that like right right space computer or something it's called no exactly there's also a scene with a cordless phone yeah in this movie yeah there's a lot of really um 
prescient sort of ideas flying yeah. around, not just like the social commentary, but also, right, like the technology. And it's good to know in the future that we've got like minimal clothing options. It's like everyone's <laughs> dressed as pretty much like if you're a bad guy, you're dressed as like a ninja or what I, what I call like a Dutch fisherman. And, <laughs> and then everyone else looks like bakers. They just have... Yeah, I mean, they've got a bit of like the um, District 9 look going yeah. on because everything is just what's left. Like that is like they're just all living off the scraps and not just the scraps regarding food which we'll definitely get to which is like a huge mm-hmm. point of this movie but like, all like bland earth tones yeah right? but i mean there's just not enough room for people to live so there's just not enough of every of anything basically He's so like people have been wearing these stepping over people right yeah one of my favorite shots is there's a armed guard at the top yeah. of the stairwell what is in that? the apartment well that's so nobody that lives there gets past that into the rooms you know like you can congregate and sleep in the halls and stuff but you can't get into the room so it's like yeah he's like the um doorman (laughs) basically well all all doormen should have like you know m16s or whatever (laughs) at least yeah at least a, a nine or something i was so happy to have these two ladies on they are lisi and perla of midnight market they're just a blast to have on and this is what I guess I should dub the great Pykakin debate. Um, but in the for the film Waitress, that was the film we were covering and talking about. Lisi, not a fan. Perla, not not a big fan either, but you know, they they thought it was kind of a a downer. But uh, you know, cakes and pies should cheer people up. And so I ask them what defines uh you know, a pie and the craziness ensues from there. So quiches are pie. How many different like? There's pizza pies. There's quiches. What what's a pie? What's not a pie? If it has a crust, it's a pie. If it has yeah. a crust, it's a pie. Well, she made something that yeah. had a cheesecake. Some well, oh yeah, cheesecake uh, cake's got a crust. Hmm. Wow. It yeah. All right. All wow. Right. And tiny pies are tarts. Are we cake people or pie people, ladies? Hmm. You know what I've. Never, when I was a kid, I wasn't a cake person until I got older. I like, like cake. Oh. But I think I'll pick, I'll pick pie over cake. Because yeah. I just wow, like recently bold. started liking um, cake. I wasn't There's really more old. versatility in the world of pies. Yeah. I would say. I think, isn't there a thing <laughs> yeah. called like a pie cake-in? It's like a turducken. What? what? Yeah, guys. It's like a pie baked into <gasps> a cake baked right into now. like a... We're stopping it? recording right Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going out. Pie cake Pie cake? <laughs> pie cake. I, pie I think cake I, and it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. I didn't make that up. So it has to be a cake within a pie. It's like a pie within a cake, but what's a the... A pie within a cake? Err. There's a pie cake in shop, guys. Ayo. A holiday Shh. tradition. For who? For, <laughs> for us. Starting today. Nihilist. <laughs> it's $75. Damn. And it's sold out. I'm sorry. What holiday? What? It's sold out? <laughs> I think it's for, Labor Day. for uh, Festivus. Festivus. <laughs> Sorry, it shows 12 to 16 and it's $75. That's expensive. And you have to go pick it up. If I'm spending that much on a pie want, cake, and I need it. Yeah. I want someone to feed it to me. Explain um, Explain to <sighs> the people okay. of the universe. Yeah, so is it a cake within a pie or pie within a cake? I don't know. Oh, wait, It's uh, looking sexy. I see some pics over no, here. No, I iPhone. hate it. I want to punch it just for being so expensive. Um, <laughs> I, we can make it. We just have to make a pie and put it no, in a cake. Oh, see. Yes. Um, it takes six <laughs> hours to make. Because well, no. you have to make a pie, and then you have to make a cake. Ew, I hate it. Um, what is it? <laughs> There's no just like what Wikipedia is this page debauchery. on the pie. Um, hmm. 
It's no, there's no Wikipedia. There's just like a recipe on foodnetwork.com. They're starting from scratch. I was trying to make the buttermilk cream. I don't know. That's too much. That's too much. Um, hmm. There's no like actual definition for it. <laughs> huh. Yeah, yeah, but let's look at that pick though. Okay, based on my expert opinion, it it's literally a pie. It's a pie in and a, a cake. cake. I'm assuming it's just like a pie and I a cake, really and then it has it the frosting. Other way well, I guess it's well, you can't. The pies are small. Yeah. Cakes are tall. I, I didn't mean to rhyme, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did it. Com has a description of what is pie cake in. Oh. Yes. Let me see. What a my, treat. My internet's very slow. So Delish.com. Yeah, that's a what wow, a genius who got that domain, right? I don't know, but for <laughs> some reason, wow, we will never know. Well, I don't think we're say. meant to know. I think we're just meant to rise to a certain point lore. where I go, I've got so much money that $75 seems legit to spend on a pie cake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We just need to get a mandolin and write a song about the yeah, we definitely pie cake. Do. And, and a pie mandolin cake specifically? In. Guys, sounds, they really... Right? Isn't that like kind of a... That's like the medieval like... Yeah. Bring. Something of what? singing it. Oh yeah, it's just like to tell the tales of Guys, the Viking. Even this website that just <laughs> writes articles is trying to sell me this damn cake for seventy-five dollars. I'm really mad. I'm All right, interested. but they're not giving a definition as to what it is. They're I just feel like the, the people, story. the creators of pie cake in, are aggressive because everything you've clicked is like buy this pie cake in for seventy-five dollars. I don't know. They're but just this is a trying of it. to get know. me. It's literally a cake wow. on top. Like there's, it's a cake with a pie in between it. It yeah. looks like it's worth. Seventy-five dollars. No, <laughs> I hate it. I hate these people. Them so I'm scams. not the only hater at this table. Yeah. I appreciate a pie cake. And I don't like. I don't like scams, depressing movies. Lizzie. That's how I felt when I watched Waitress. I was scammed. I thought I was watching Waitress. <laughs> you scammed yourself. Okay? I did that, which makes yeah. me even more upset. <laughs> was I stretching it when I decided to do the film The Water Boy? I don't think so. Water is extremely important in the world of food and cooking, and clearly hydration. Uh, you know, Bobby Boucher will tell you that it's some high-quality H2O, and so for some high-quality podcasting, I had my friend Chris Carroll on. Chris is a huge Adam Sandler fan, a big football fan, a huge hockey fan, a big wrestling fan, and in this clip, I ask him, you know, just what are some of his favorite, you know, it's it's the Water Boy. It just it's a comedy that has a lot of funny lines. So I ask him what are some of his favorite scenes, and we just had a fun time talking about the Water Boy. And also on this episode, we did a water taste test. So go back and check out that episode, the Water Boy episode, and you can hear Chris, uh, you know, tasting the difference between Dasani and Poland Spring, and I don't know, there's some maybe Aquafina. And Smart Water. I think Smart Water was the only one he... Uh, you know what? Go back to that episode and check it out. And here's us talking the water boy. Yeah, so, well, Chris, what are, what, are just, what are some of your favorite parts? You said there's so many memorable parts of this movie. What are some of your favorite parts of this movie? Um, I like when he uses the quarterback and he visualizes him. He's just calling him Needle Dick. And he says, <laughs> Needle Dick, Needle Dick. Instead of, you know, the snap count, he's yelling Needle Dick at him. <laughs> there's that, there's that. And then, who? I mean, who are the people that he imagines? He imagines the... The Louisiana For, coach, Coach Red. Yeah, Coach Red. It's his mother at one point. Which is she, pretty crazy. Yeah, that. when she tells him not to uh, date Vicky. Yeah. Um, coach Klein when he does the Gatorade. Yeah, stand. Coach Klein. And then I guess uh, the quarterback, that quarterback. Like and then the the black kicker does the KKK guy's head. I remember seeing that in the trailer and not knowing like what that was. Yeah. Because well, I know okay, about the KKK. You don't know what the KKK was. is, really. But, uh, and then he also... 
just uh, like I guess voice wise, Captain Insano. Oh yeah, yeah. Captain played Insano. by played by that's... the giant. That's the giant.Eah. I when w, uh, WWF he was the Big Show, but in WCW he was the giant. Yeah, he was the giant. That was before it became the W or. I, it was two different things. I was a WCW fan, so I I know him as the giant. As the giant. Yeah. You know that awesome song that plays in the beginning of every episode? Well, that came to fruition through the help and the generosity of Siobhan and Chris of the band The Fuzz. And for the next uh, clip I'm going to be playing, it's from the episode of It's Complicated, where I had both of them on. They are husband and wife. And It's Complicated is an awesome rom-com with uh, an amazing cast, Alec Baldwin, Again, Meryl Streep, you know, she was in episode one of Julie and Julia, Steve Martin. And this is just, uh, you know, in the episode, I asked uh, Chris and Siobhan what are some of your, you know, favorite things about it. And so, you know, of course, Meryl comes up and Siobhan talks about her. And then Chris just really likes, you know, as the uh, proclaimed romantic that he is, the, the nuances and the love triangle between... Alec, Merrill, and Steve. So here we are talking about It's Complicated, and I am thinking about those chocolate croissants. One thing that I look for in Meryl Streep performances mm-hmm. is, like, she has this way, and I think Abby Elliott on SNL captured it so well, even though, like, her Meryl wasn't, like, a spot-on, like, true-to-life Meryl, sure. which she captured so well. that Meryl loves to be... <laughs> Meryl loves to perform indulgence. Like, oh. if you ever notice every moment, like, as any character, and, like, I haven't seen all the Meryl movies, but, like, she's savoring just every single thing. Yeah. Like, she's savoring a word. She's savoring a bite. She's savoring a song that just comes on in a, in a scene. And, like, that is what I live for in this movie is her indulgent, like, lo- like when she loves something, she's like, <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, I want, <laughs> like, I want to love something as much as Meryl loves making like a bikini out of dough. Uh, like, <laughs> I yeah, that's just that's just such the montage of when they the croissants is just fantastic and yeah, she like straight up for any of you who haven't seen the film, uh, they so she and Steve Martin get high or no, just yeah, they, just no, her they get, no, they, they get both high get high, together, high. Yeah. and. They go to her bakery and they make croissants and late at night when no one's in there and she like takes the dough and she makes like a wizard beard and she makes like a little bikini out of the dough and it's just like, and then she does that and she like tilts her whole body back in her head and it's just like, I want, I want to love something that much. Like just some like random ass thing. I mean, I love, I love you, but I'm I'm never going to be like, oh, I love you. Like, <laughs> You're never going to throw Pillsbury dough on your neck and no. be like, this is the No, but I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Martin in that film. I mean, I, that's a really tough spot to be in, you know, as a, as a human being. I mean, if you, if you take, if you take the plot of the film and you apply it to real life, you know, Steve Martin was, you know, that point on that triangle you know mm-hmm. and he was contending with the past and that's something that you can't possibly um really it, you can't contend with i mean the past is the past i mean it, it 
is yeah, just what the it history is. between those just two that characters. history is enough and three kids exactly yeah. and you know and you saw that there was this you know really great um you know uh, two people that really understood one another and it was really sweet and you know he was setting up you know in in the scene where he's uh uh, setting up the kitchen is like okay. This is where this is going to yeah, be. Yeah, when he puts you know, the stakes out in the and yard, he puts the stakes the, out. Yeah, yeah. And opens up the door for her. He's like, oh, let me yeah, open the door and to the bedroom. And he's doing everything he can, and you cannot contend with the past. Yeah. And I, as a romantic, I mean, and you know that you know I'm a silly romantic, but that was a moment where I think he was like, okay, I'm going all in on this idea. Yeah. And he couldn't really you know contend with the past and and um i i thought that was sweet and i thought it was um a wonderful moment about being unavailable or uh, feeling unavailable Mm -hmm. but also feeling completely present in the moment Switching it up for this one, although the film that we covered was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and it is an awesome movie, I'm going to play a clip where Steph of uh, the inst- her Instagram is yeah food beer, and she was awesome and uh, just a delight to have on. We talk the, the famous food scene that she picked out was the double stacking of the slices from Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta. And so we talk about how Steph uh, likes her pizza, and of course, pie comes up. I guess pie comes up uh, a decent amount on this podcast, so I just thought it would be fun to play another clip that's about pie. And again, famous food scene, Saturday Night Fever, double stacking slices, but. Definitely a great food film, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Check that out. And here's this clip. So a brief but yet poignant scene. I mean, he's just that goes on for that whole song of mm-hmm. Staying Alive and Bee Gees throughout that whole film. But, I mean, it's John Travolta strutting. We already, I've done one food scene with him before, the $5 shake scene from mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction. Uh, but this is him in like 1978, 79, strutting his stuff down the city streets. And he, uh, she asked him how many slices. He says two. And, you know, that was audio. But for those that of you that haven't seen Saturday Night Fever, he takes the two pieces and puts them on top of one another. So what are you, what, weird. What are you, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, oh, I guess it could have been worse, right? Like, he could have tried to eat them with, like, a knife and a fork, which is such a no-no. But I don't know. I mean, have I sat down or walked around and eaten two slices of pizzas? Absolutely. Stacked them on top of each other? It kind of feels wrong. I'm, I'm a one-slice-at-a-time kind of girl. Uh-huh. But, you know, by the same token, it's pretty genius, like – He's he's clearly, you know, he wants to strut. He might yeah. be short on time um, to go and do things on Saturday night uh, before he comes down with <laughs> a fever. Before he gets his... <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, that maybe, you know, for him it was just about, you know, trying to catch that train before Fast Track shut it down. And he was just like, crap, I want to eat these two pot- these two pizzas. He's wearing the red shirt in case he gets marinara on Exactly. That. <laughs> and he just, you know... He's eating two slices of pizza with one hand. I got to give it to him. Smart. I'm personally a one slice at a time kind of girl. Do you I, do the fold? Um, it's weird. Sometimes I do the fold 
If, if it's it, got too much give or something. If it feels really, yeah. like, greasy. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to lie. As I've gotten older, if a pizza's super, super greasy, I'm yeah. talking, like, you're dripping, like, oil. Yeah, I'm going to take a napkin. We're going to do some absorbing I'm just at that point <laughs> in my life. Um, but if it's, like, kind of greasy and I'm keeping the grease, yeah, I'm folding it. If that cheese is, like, super melty. Sure. Um, if it's a flatter slice and maybe it's got some pepperoni and some toppings that I don't feel like I want to, you know, ruin the visual aesthetic, then sometimes I'll just eat it straight. Um, but yeah, I think it depends on the type of pizza. Yeah. I would say I'm a 50-50 person. Sometimes I fold, sometimes I don't. But I tell you what I don't do. I do not eat pizza with a fork and a knife. That is wrong. That goes against everything I believe in. Oh, Unless it's like a crazy, maybe it's like a crazy deep dish. And you're but at a, pizza and you're me, at a, like a, like... and you're like at a gala and maybe you really need to try to be fancy. But I don't know, man. Pizza's... <laughs> I, I think it just it surpasses. I do love deep dish pizza. Then that that to me just becomes more of like I mean I know I mean you know, it's we a pie. Say pizza pie. Yeah, exactly. It's a real pie. I mean people say you know pizza pie because it's you know but like that yeah. becomes that's a pie. So that is fine. I think it, I mean, if you to be honest, I don't really like pie unless you're like wow. chocolate icebox pie or a cookie not pie. A pie person. But those like fruity pies, not my thing. So no. every pie day I usually celebrate with pizza. Leon. Leon is one of those friends that you just want to have a fun time. Like, you know, you can go anywhere. You're going to have a fun time. He's just, he's one of those friends. And so when I chose to do the movie Dinner for Schmucks, I contacted him and said, you know, we, we, I know we both really like Paul Rudd and just comedies in general. And this is just a movie of awkward comedies. And Leon is just someone I love having those silly, awkward times with. So, uh, and um, may, might I remind you that Leon also created the artwork for foodie films and P.S. I Love Hoffman. He's a, he's a very talented artist. So he's funny, he's talented, and this is our you know, little, little part of talking about dinner for schmucks. I, I love awkward situations. Oh, uh, I, I, re- I, I feed on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, I think we're the same in that way. I, I yeah. would leave a, I would leave a dinner like that and be like, that was some of the most fun amazing. I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember how awkward it was? When <laughs> what do they call the, so it's cause Paul Rudd this whole time, he's trying to get up the corporate ladder and that's why they're having this dinner. Right. To, like well, the boss before he promotes him to like some kind of, you know, high position wants to see what kind of person he's like, so he invites him. He has this monthly dinner. He and has to. Uh, he has to bring the most ridiculous person. Yeah, basically. that they can make fun of. Yeah. or that they will think that's very you know odd. We and weird and actually funny. used to play a game very similar to this when we would go to Rhode Island. Uh, my my sister, her husband, and mm-hmm. I, you know, we'd go out. And we'd try and find it. We called it the rudest person in the bar. <laughs> All right. And it was just the, you know, a person who's wearing something that uh, a human being should not wear oh, on a regular day. Just, yeah. Just you know the kind of guy that you look at and you go, oh, my God. Yeah. What is up with this person? <laughs> this falls into like that people watch. I mean, that's with a great part. Of, that, that's right. a great part of going to restaurants and going to bars is the people watching. Mm-hmm. Like I love like. And this... living in this area, you could just sit on a bench oh, in yeah. a park and. 20 an hour will yeah. come past you. Oh, when, when I mean, you know, when I went with, uh, I mean, I know you know 
Tommy, but that's my my roommate. We went to like the Italian festival in Jersey City. And I can't remember. Forgive me if I've said this on the show before, but I'm telling you, uh, is that we were just like, let's listen, try to listen for the most Jersey thing. And the two most Jersey things was a mom saying to a son, like, you know, like the son was like, I don't want to eat that. And it was like the church made like rice balls and she was like they make this once a year <laughs> you know like everybody loves it you gotta have it you gotta have, you the, gotta rice have, balls. The, have the rice balls and then one father other, michael yeah. made these rice <laughs> balls <Exactly>. for you. <laughs> and then uh the one other was like one guy just saying like frankie valley could listen to him every day all day and, you know, like, <laughs> but that was just like a fun you know like we're at we're eating great food and we're listening to these incredibly jersey people that Am I? I don't know. Yeah, I'm slightly making fun of them right now. So, no, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. I but, mean, those are ridiculous things to say. Yeah. Who listens to Frankie Valley every day? Do you listen to Frankie Valley every day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next up is Heather Drew. I've known Heather since college, but I actually hadn't seen her since college. And come October, uh, a lot of the people from the Cage Club Network were doing all horror films. I did uh, two in the month of October, and the first one was the horror comedy, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and I reached out to Heather, and Heather is an actor and frequents in the genre of horror. She also teaches people how to die on screen, and so this is just us catching up and me asking her about like her first experience on a, uh, a horror set. And uh, then just you know, ta- her talking about the love and the accepting community of the horror genre. Um, the first gig I worked on in horror was a movie I shot in South Jersey. And one girl had to be shot by a bow and arrow. And she was getting shot in the back and lurching forward. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, no, you got to arch your back back. Your muscles are contracting back. So that's kind of... The uh, first time yeah. I ever coached someone, and the director was having problems the whole day with that. So I was like, if you don't mind, would you excuse me? Like, I have the suggestion. And they kind of let me coach that day. Wow. And that was kind of the first time I started coaching. And then I really <laughs> was like, let's make this career. Let's let's do this right. Let's learn everything and then go forward. So that's kind of how it happened. That's awesome. And then, like, so from there, you... I mean, it's it definitely seems the world of like independent horror seems like a tight knit group of people. Like I see, oh, yeah. that, you know, you you're going to festivals. Tell yeah, just tell me about that and just like what it's, you know, like you are you working with a lot of the same people from crew to actors or just how that world is. Um, it's a tight knit community, but it's very welcoming. Okay. The the thing with horror film festivals is you make horror movies and sci-fi movies because you enjoy it and you love them. Yeah, it's the passion. It's, yeah, it's yeah. the passion. So. A lot of times when people are going to these festivals, you're going there and you have a common interest. Like, you love these movies. They're mm-hmm. awesome. Even the terrible horror movies are still enjoyable. They're still so good. So what I do is I'll go a lot of festivals just to have a good time and see the movies. Sure. And we do end up meeting people. And I have gotten some wonderful friends. Um, I'm actually shooting a, f- a film called Identity Check that's shooting November 3rd. That's where we start shooting. Um, and I had met him years ago at a festival. I have good friends, Lindsay Serrano and Manny Serrano. Lindsay is the director of uh, a movie I just shot that I acted in called Misunderstood Monster. It's a horror comedy. It's fantastic. (laughs) But it is kind of incestual where you do get to to work with each other in horror. For other genres, of course, you have to go 
through many more channels, casting directors, things like that. But with horror, a lot of times they'll write parts for you if they know you. Awesome. It's really, really awesome because they, they're like, oh, you're a cool friend. I have a part that you'd be perfect for. Of course, you have to be able to pull that part off. Yeah, but, yeah of course. <laughs> but if, if, you, if you're good and do this as a career, you, it is very open and welcoming to get parts and, and to, to work with other directors and producers. You meet them directly there. Yeah. So after Heather, I was thinking, who else do I know that loves horror? And I think of my friend, my mentor, Zach Bressler. He was on P.S. I Love Hoffman for the Boogie Nights episode. And he can be really passionate about certain films. And while Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't one of his favorites, you know, his favorite of the, the, the slasher genre is Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. We did have a great conversation about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but you know what? He ended up picking one of his favorite, uh, you know, for the random food scene, for the famous food scene segment. He, uh, I, I figured he'd like it, but it ends up being one of his favorite comedies, and that's Back to School. And there's just such a great scene where Rodney Dangerfield makes the sandwich. I love sandwiches. Zach loves sandwiches. We both love sandwiches. So here's Rodney Dangerfield making a sandwich. Got the clip for you and us talking about it after. I hate small food, you know? Everybody, come here, will you? Put your hand right over there, will you? I learned this in Europe. <laughs> oh, look at that one. Coming through hot stuff. Look at that one. Can I get your best Rodney Dangerfield right now? Hey, I get no respect though. Hey. <laughs> I learned this in Europe. Hey, <laughs> hey somebody step on a duck? <laughs> It's a different movie. Different but. movie, but classic Dangerfield. <laughs> this, I love this scene. I love this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Yeah, Tony. Rodney, I love Rodney Dangerfield. That's yeah. yeah he, he's he's a, a man crush. I love Rodney. <laughs> Dang, he's the best. What uh, you you're saying that you saw this when I you? saw this is another I mentioned earlier about uh, junior high school. I think I'm this film. I was in sixth or seventh grade. I remember riding my bike with a friend to the movie theater to go see this, and it was, I think it was rated R. Yeah, definitely. And like, you there's know, bo- we, there's there's boobs, there's and boobs bush right in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're perfect. Hey, this is you and Julio, and hey, what's with the midget? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's I. I mean, it was you know, uh, Ronnie was like at the height of his. Oh yeah. You know, like, hey, Shakespeare on me. I'm yeah. gonna take her through. Yeah. So, so <laughs> this film came out, and I was like, "Oh, we got to see it." So me and the friend went and saw it, and uh, definitely weren't disappointed. I have seen this many times since. I love this film. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he, the the Rodney Dangerfield delivery is impeccable. You know? Oh it's, yeah. It's the best. He's you know? one of the kings of like the one-liners, or you know. Oh yeah, the, and he just do you know just delivers them. At a rapid pace and yeah. ease in this film, it's great. And this is just a great scene for the character because he's just you know an average Joe that ended up creating a successful mm-hmm. like huge 
you know, conglomerate of a company, mm-hmm. and this is his, I think, third or fourth marriage or something like that, yeah, yeah. and she just uses him for his money as having this fancy dinner. Again, he just, you know, we have, no, only champagne, sir, you know, because mm-hmm. of you know, what the missus said, and so he lines his you know, jackets up with beer and he goes up and makes this, you know, makes himself this, a sub. Yeah, makes himself, <laughs> it's supposed to be this bread that, you know, I guess you just take a slice a piece of and he just cuts it open, digs it out, puts some deviled eggs in it uh-huh. and whatever, what little Swedish meatballs, whatever other hors d'oeuvre goodies there are mm-hmm. and makes the sandwich. And then obviously, hey, you know, as you heard, hey, buddy, you know, put your head right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, for a second. Well, I stand corrected. I said I did two uh, different episodes for Halloween, but I did three. Maybe it was such a horrific experience, I've put it uh, in the back, deep, dark reaches of my mind. But the third uh, Halloween episode was the Garfield Halloween special. And so I'll briefly uh, play you a clip, and this is me getting all deep and pontificating about Garfield and its themes, and then just thinking about my days of trick or treating. Garfield, I mean, number one, I, I mean, Garfield is clearly a very successful comic strip. Has been around for many, many decades, and uh, I think there's just something we like the dryness, and it just even does amazing in like, you know, as a like animated cartoon it just does so well that like we don't see him you know his lips moving or anything like that it's just like it's those inner thoughts it's almost yeah like that's that's what it is he our id is he what we want in life or does he say what we what we want to say am i really talking this way about a cartoon cat from you know the comic section of the newspaper i am <laughs> but that's that's Garfield, and that I, I I love that just like the interaction and that you know as kids just being oh here's a piece of candy like, hey, come on lady come on come on give us some candy give us some more candy I always felt bad when you know like especially and this happened in high school like going up to a house and taking the whole bowl of candy because that ruins it for like everybody else so I like to think that I was uh, you know maybe I was guilty of that a few times but. Maybe I've paid penance for it now, so I'll have to be uh, very nice with uh, handing out some candy tomorrow if I get some trick-or-treaters. He's the sci-fi expert, and he's my diner buddy. Manzi is back for another episode, the first repeat guest, and we talk diner. Doesn't take place in Jersey, takes place in Baltimore, but we were uh, a little incredulous by the, uh, the popcorn trick. If you don't know what that is, that's, um, well, just watch the scene online. I don't really feel like talking about it, but, uh, yeah, you know, a great cast, all, all these young, talented, you know, like no names at the time, but Paul Reiser, Steve Gutenberg, Mickey Rourke, Daniel Stern, Kevin Bacon, and, uh, yeah, here's the, us talking and us just little turned off by the awkwardness of the popcorn trick scene. But yeah, he is the um, he's the troublemaker. He's like yeah. the bad boy. He's the, right. Yeah. But and so that scene at the movie theater was a bet to see if he could get his date to touch his dick 
during the movie. And he does it by putting it through the popcorn box, and so that when she grabs it, she touches it and freaks yeah. out rightfully and like storms out and everything. And he claims that that counts. And they're like, that doesn't count because it wasn't consensual. Yeah. I'm on their side. <laughs> like, it was... Oh, no, yeah, that's like... Uh, like, that. I hope no one's doing that nowadays. worse than, like, Louis C.K. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, no, that's exactly, like, what it is. I mean, that's that, you know, the idea that they're, it's a joke to them, but it's not a joke. It's traumatic to the victim. Yeah. So, like, you shouldn't joke about it. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, so... It was, it was kind of hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, like, that's, I would say, like, the most, you know, like... But it's of the time. That's what I think well, Mary Levinson's even getting in the at. Well, 80s, which they, I mean, like, like, 80s films, like, then you think about, like, fucking, like, Porky's and stuff like right, that. Right, exactly. And, like, even even Police Academy and, like... Yes, the, yes, they're guilty. They're, like, they are guilty, and then on top of that, they're making a movie about the 50s. Right, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I feel like this is commenting on sort of the the kids at the time and how stupid they were and now in the 80s they see movies like this and are like hey let's put that in our movie yeah. like that'll be a funny joke and, and then people see that and they just perpetrate the crime over and over again and yeah. so it's to, yeah. it was weird I, i'd forgotten you know because i'd only seen this once so long ago and i had forgotten a lot of parts of it and that was definitely one i didn't remember how i didn't remember the scene after it where he gets her to go back and sit down and everything. Yeah. I thought she stormed out and got out of there and was, like, free and clear. Another host of a network show joined me, and that's Kara from Wistful Thinking. But this, we actually talk about her and Jordan's new uh, show, new little... It's it's almost like a segment, but they do it in between their Wistful Thinking episodes, and it's called What Am I Chewing? So that's, hey, you're talking to the host of Foodie Films. That's kind of perfect. And we talk about that, so you'll learn about that via this clip. And Kara, I guess I, I'm going to reach out. I I, I want to be on uh, one of my chewing. So, guys, listen to this. Check out what am I chewing, and hopefully, I'll be on an episode soon. Honestly, we kind of say it like interchangeably. It doesn't. It's it's all still kind of loosey goosey, as, <laughs> as Joey called it, a, a gritty reboot of wistful thinking. So. <laughs> My co-host Jordan and I do Wistful Thinking on the Cage Club Network, which is a show where we like revisit things from our youth to see if they're still good or like mm-hmm. what the experience of revisiting it is. And one day we were recording our like epic three-hour Grease crossover episodes with your for your former co-host uh, uh, yes. Rodriguez. Um, we did this elaborate two-part Grease episode, and in between, I, we like got up to get snacks, and then this game just emerged, which was <laughs> one of my chewing, which sounds like the worst idea for a podcast in the world. Um, and it is for some people. They just can't handle chewing, and that's fine. It's not for everyone. Um, our feed isn't for everyone in general, so uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. We eat snacks and try and guess what the other person is eating and it's actually really fun yeah I, so i've i've listened to the episodes and i really like i that's why i said I, I really like the idea but it's it's 
Definitely for me, and I was I had uh, Mike Manzi on last week, and we even and uh, one of my chewing came up, um, just you know, because again, of food and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, you gotta be on that. And I would like, I, I would love, I would love to be on it, but at the same, like at the same time, it is something like hearing other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually you know because then I again I listened to another episode today, and I so I don't know if it's the chewing, it's or, what the person is chewing. It's it's different. Everything sounds it's, different, and some yeah. things are like gooier and gushier, which is disgusting. It, it's what and they're the chewing. Crunchier stuff, it's fine. Yeah, it's what I they're think. chewing. But I think the I think the thing that bothers me the most is the sound of someone talking while there's oh, food in their mouth. I'll Not the chew. The so yeah, like yeah, it just ah, yeah. But like I mean, I would still if you would have me sometime, I would love to be on it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um. But and I and I and I love love the idea. It's a, it's a fun. You know. I mean, what they run a little over twenty minutes. It seems like yeah, every time. So it's just like a that. fun, a fun segment. Ugh, eh, ugh. Is that Kel Mitchell? Is that Tim the Toolman Taylor? I'm not that great at impressions, so I don't even know. But the film that we're talking about next is Good Burger, the silly 90s Nickelodeon film. And for that silly 90s Nickelodeon film starring Keenan and Kel, I wanted my buddy, my silly friend, my best friend, Dan Ferrara. Since the episode, Dan's gotten married. Congratulations, Dan Nottam. I was the best man, gave a speech, went over extremely well. And that's because of all this quality practice time with you guys. I was... Actually, very nervous and don't enjoy public speaking. Thank God there's not a crowd in front of me right now. But we talk this film, and this is Dan explaining why Good Burger, a silly, you know, it's a Nickelodeon kids movie. But just because it's simple jokes, easy laughs, doesn't mean that it's stupid. Or maybe you're just stupid for not laughing. I'm a dude, she's a dude it's it's almost like what Louis C.K. said about fart jokes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be smart to get to laugh at them. Yeah. But you have to be stupid not to, and and so it, it's I very about that. Quote. It's That's a very quote. applicable to this. Yeah, like it's it's simple and kitschy and and goofy, but you know what? Sometimes you just want goofy. Yeah, you sometimes you just want a cheeseburger, dude. Don't make it complicated. I even just love, I mean like I, I wrote to, like I love that there was that 3D Slurpee of the Nickelodeon cup right in the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is, this yeah, is a great, right. it was, a great food there was, opening. Everything was just so nostalgic 90s. Yeah, the burger like, title sequence. That was great. And so I know we're old in the sense that like, when people, still, like, when people say, like, oh, like a decade ago and I still think, like, the oh, 90s. I think the first, like, I think we laughed, no, it was, like, right in the beginning of the movie. I think we laughed at when he wakes up, ah, a clock! Yeah, yeah. He, he, he wakes <laughs> up panicked, like he's late His for work. Clock is and, going, he, yeah. and he looks at the time yeah. and it's like, it's like, 10 o'clock, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh no, a clock! It's like, you're expecting him to be shocked at the time, it's like, no, he's yeah. just shocked that there's a clock there, and it was actually genuinely funny to That's me. That's amazing, and he's like showering in his clothes. Yeah, it's it's just like, <laughs> it's almost like Jerry Lewis-esque. Yeah. And the latest episode, well, not this one, this is I guess the latest, but the last episode that I did with a guest was My Dinner with Hervé with... Brian, so our second repeat guest, and of course Brian and I always have such great conversation, and I really didn't think much would come from my dinner with Hervé, but we uh, we covered a lot, and this is just, I think, a special moment where th- this is something that I do really think that is important, and that's men being more open and sharing their feelings, and I think that's just a very interesting thing, and I mean my dinner with Hervé was a 
a very good HBO movie, and Peter Dinklage was phenomenal. Dinklage is a master of his craft. But, uh, you know, it just really made you think about just vulnerability and this, this, this very tragic story of this, you know, real-life person and just how much you need people to be there for you and to talk with people. So by, hey, by talking with Brian, uh, we have this conversation, and here's a bit from... The uh, My Dinner with Hervé, the beginning of the My Dinner, what I'm dubbing the My Dinner series, where Brian will be on all four episodes, and we're going to have some other guests, including John Harden, on those episodes. So here it is. Not to make this a very special episode of Foodie Films, but like, it, it reminds me, like this is November, which is Movember, mm-hmm. um, and one of the causes of Mo- and Movember is not just prostate cancer anymore. Um, it's just... One of the wider things, it's just men's health concerns, and one of the bigger, like, men's health concerns is that, like, men don't share enough with men, if that makes sense, you know? Men don't share enough, and men don't share enough in general. In general, in general, yeah, that's a better way to put it. And it's, there's a whole, like, macho thing that if you're, like, hurting or if something's bothering you, just be a man, keep it inside, you know? And uh, it's a shame, and I I would AKA Irish. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just challenge... Men out there, I guess, just like share more of what you're going through. It's a challenge for me. I'm sure it's a challenge for you because we grew up in a. Believe it or not, yeah. we're not old, old. <laughs> you know, we're we're thirty on the wrong side of thirty, I guess. <laughs> we're thirty, um, but I I think we grew up in a time where like men were not supposed to just share their feelings like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that can change. Hopefully, uh, I hope my children, I don't have children, but I hope one day when I have children that they're more open and honest. And it's definitely, it's definitely, it's a society problem, but it's definitely a big problem with men that it's like, that's not macho, you know, that's not, you're not a tough guy, grow up baby kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's, hey. I mean, I'm not gonna get into it, but I uh, on our trip in Texas when there was like there was a group of seven of us, <laughs> and I had I, I had a uh, a, a personal uh, thing <laughs> a personal thing that I was going through, and all six of my friends that were there gave experiences of their own uh, hardships in this uh, certain category that they had gone through, and that. And that meant a lot to me, and that was everyone was very open that moment because they saw how upset and vulnerable I was at that moment. So that was a very special and ne- and a, a needed uh, moment of uh, to you know console. See, and even me laughing about it is like not. La- I wasn't. I'm not laughing. Well, at you're you. you're also laughing because of the ambiguity. I'm. Yeah, yeah. That no, I just want. That's why I want to be clear. No, no, like, no, I, no just, I, I just said not, something, yeah, and then I'm yeah. like. My people on the outside might no, think it's because that I, I'm cause laughing I, I don't, yeah. at you, and I'm yeah. not laughing at you. No, yeah. no, it's, it's because of the ambiguity. I'll yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But no, but no. it's true. You're right, and it's like it's related to this film, and I know not something we usually talk about on foodie films, but it's something that's uh, like that's like the next frontier, like yeah, of it, I don't know. It's well, it the is, male psyche in society. No, but it is both. also very related to food because then that's also how a lot of people get into eating disorders. Oh my god! Whether it's too much Absolutely. or too little. Absolutely. I um, you know, I, I had a pretty rough week last week, and I noticed when I have a rough week, 
I just crave the bad food. Yeah, crave uh, the bad. Yeah, and you're a you're a a picker. Yes. like you know something. Yeah, I could be eating t- small things twenty four seven. Yeah, you know, not like meals, but if there was just if there was a table, the negative side of tapas culture, <laughs> <laughs> the, the dark side no, of the tapas. The, the pl- I would have to take a siesta if we were in true tapas culture, but I wouldn't be taking siesta. It would just be going. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and food. Food is comfort. Food is great. Food is something to share and talk about. But it can also there's a dark side of food. Yeah. You know, there's a dark side of food. It's like everything beautiful in life. If you do too much or too little of it, you got to find that good food balance. It's some similar. It's so weird, but similar. We're talking about the beer. The beer. Know? I was just gonna say, and that's what it still come like. And that's as and that's frivolous. That is that is we're in Austin, and I'm like. Let's just keep it, you know, none of most of the people, only two of us had been to Austin before. And so I'm like, oh, let's try to do as much as possible. And so that's just, you know, it's frivolous as enjoying a, you know, a bachelor party weekend of just, but then you take that and you see that we're then also saying, you know, just pace yourself in general and enjoy things because of, for life and for your own health betterment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's. Yeah, no. I mean, food is great. Drinks are great. But look at the conversations that my <laughs> dinner with Hervé. We we gotta. And you guys can expect this from the entire my dinner series yes. on the Foodie Films podcast. Well, we... thank you, Foodie fans, for tuning in and listening to the first clip show. And I hope you'd enjoyed it. Those are some of my favorite clips from the past 17 episodes of Foodie Films. I'm having a lot of fun making this podcast. And thank you to all the guests that have come on. I hope you had just as much fun. And listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, there's always more to cut. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy And I feel like I'm loving you Love you such a sweet